You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 19. How are you guys doing? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we are one episode away from hitting our 20th episode, which just seems like a cool milestone. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. All right, full disclosure. There's a bazillion background noises while I record this intro today. I've got trains, I've got planes, I've got Amazon, dogs, you name it. It seems to be um, chiming in today. So I apologize for the background noise. I need to start off also by saying a big thank you to Heather and Emily. Heather and Emily, you guys donated to the podcast. And I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Decidedly Dry. It means more than you know, and I just wanted to make sure I gave you a shout out. All right, today, episode 19, I am interviewing Ketsia. Ketsia is a beautiful, inspirational woman. She is sober. She is a mom to one. She's amazing. Um, She firmly believes in building a life of purpose in sobriety. And I think that's kind of what this podcast is all about. I stole this quote from her website, and I think it's just a beautiful reminder. It says, writing can change your life in ways you never thought possible. She's a writer. She's a creative. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. Here's Ketsia. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry. And today I have my sweet friend Ketsia here. Hi, my friend. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. It is my pleasure. Thank you for agreeing. I was trying to think, I think the last time that we hung out or chatted was on one of my random Instagram lives so long ago. Yes. Yes. I think I was one of your like, early guests on that also. I feel like that was probably over a year ago, right? It must have been. Yeah. A year and a half ago. (laughs) Maybe not quite, maybe a year ago, something like that. But I do remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's always fun. I've had, I think actually multiple guests now that are, it's kind of like a reunion because I'm like, yay, we get a chat again. (laughs) There's some amazing, inspiring women in our space, inspiring humans, but especially women that I just look up to so much and you're one of them. And it's just so nice to see the evolution of ourselves and our sobriety so like to see you turn it into a fully fledged podcast is like exciting for me you know isn't it fun I know and I mean I feel the same way about you it's so fun to watch not only our sober journeys but these women that are are turning their sobriety into something more like giving Mm -hmm. back and really oh my gosh we're jumping all over the place we're like getting into our main theme of just the good stuff (laughs) I love it oh well Well, let's start from the start. You know, you know how these go, but if you don't mind, why don't you go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself? So who you are, if you have kids, where you live, your job, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I am born and raised Canadian. 
I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is like West Coast. Um, not quite on the coast, obviously, but prairies. And uh, I'm the oldest of two, younger brother. I just turned 40 last year. Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter, Harper, and my husband, James. And he's American, so I actually live in the States now. Um, my daughter and I immigrated to the States at the end of 2020. Just out, like I was like a couple months sober, not even. <laughs> um, and I, I've lived kind of all over the place. I lived in England for six years in my 20s, um, did my undergrad there in English literature. Um, I lived in British Columbia, which is beautiful. I lived in a place called Kelowna. Um, and then I lived just outside of Toronto for the 10 years before we moved here. Um, I started my own business at the end of last year. So I have a creative um, business. I teach writing workshops ostensibly. They're kind of um, like healing workshops. So I've been doing that since last summer um, and I decided to turn it into a business. And so I just love what I'm doing now. Before that, I was, I worked in human resources for a long time, uh, recruitment. I kind of, that was part of my journey though. I kind of couldn't find my place in the corporate world. And I always felt a bit, a little bit like I was drifting around aimlessly. Um, so finding my niche and my wings and my spiritual side now and sobriety has been life-changing in terms of um, tapping into my calling. So mm. yeah, that's what I do now. I love mm. that. Oh, and I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but do you find that or have you found that your sobriety was kind of that awakening and help you kind of find your own, find your gift and your passion? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think although my um, drinking didn't, my, my really bad sort of phase with my drinking where I felt like it was really problematic actually only started when I became a single parent to my daughter. And she, like I said, she's seven now. So for the first part of her life up until she was five, I would say that was my worst years of drinking. I wasn't, um, I didn't start drinking in high school. Like I drank after high school when I lived in England and we traveled around Europe and stuff. I was like, quote unquote, a normal drinker. It just like, I didn't even think about alcohol, right? Like right, <laughs> you'd go right. to, a, you know, you'd, you'd go on vacation and you'd have drinks or you, there'd be a party and you'd have drinks, but I probably wouldn't keep alcohol in the house which was not the person I later then became when I became a single parent. So, yeah. So I always said I wanted to be a writer, but when I was in those years of drinking daily, I was a daily drinker and I was a morning drinker at the end. Mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't tap into, it was like, it was like, um, it was a blockage between me and my spiritual and creative side. I just couldn't tap into that creative energy because it was really, muddled up behind all the alcohol. Um, mm. So definitely getting sober was a catalyst to allow me to explore that side a lot more. What a gift. Yeah. Uh, well, take us back when you can go back as far as you want. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit of your journey with drinking. Um, you said there was a big shift when you became a single mom. I don't know if you want to start there or how much you want to yeah. share kind of when those, those flags might have started coming up and you thought about having a change. Yeah, um, definitely. I think it was, there was two things that um, kind of 
push my drinking and my partying and stuff into overdrive. One was meeting um, my daughter's father, her biological father. So when we got together and that was, I guess, like 12 years ago now, and then becoming a single parent when she was five. So those, those two things were major turning points. I think what happened was when I moved back from England in 2007, I just ended a really long term, like a seven year relationship. And I think I was kind of drifting a little bit. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted for my career. I didn't know how to reinvent myself as a single person. And I think sometimes those big life changes are, it can be a really positive experience and they can also be very damaging at that time. And I think I kind of went down the ladder route where I was looking for ways of coping with how I was feeling. So I started, you know, partying all the time. And that's how I met my ex. And we, from the beginning, it was just not a good relationship. And he is a narcissist and it was an emotionally abusive relationship. So I was drinking to cope then, but I quit drinking when I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant and when Harper was born, I think that was what, I think that really switched a, a flipped a switch in me to want to try and do better for me and for her. But it actually, for the few years after that was when my drinking was the worst because mm. I, I just was things around me in my life. Like I wasn't, I was a single parent. I didn't have family. They were on the other side of the country. So I had no way of pursuing a career. I was kind of working in like retail jobs, just not, not able to find my footing and all that kind of eats away at your self-esteem and your self-worth. Um, so my drinking got worse before it got better. Um, and I think, I mean, the, for me, the drinking was bad for that span of probably like four or five years. Um, and I was sort of searching for ways out. But when you're stuck in that, that cycle, you have party friends and you see them every weekend, you know, she would go to her grandparents house every other weekend. And, and those were the people I hung out with. They all drank the way that I did. And there was just no, I wasn't aware of it then though. I wasn't aware of it until probably until the last two years of my drinking was when I was really trying to get out. And I've been sober um, since November, 2020. So just past a year and a half. Um, But yeah, so, so that, that was it. I was, but it's interesting that you asked that because I try to think when it switched from just going out and drinking to daily drinking. And I would say, well, definitely for the last two years of my drinking, it was, and I would get invited to go out places. And I started like declining invitations because I would like hate myself so much when I would wake up the next morning after going out that the level of like self-loathing just became worse and worse. And I almost convinced myself that I was depressed. Like I thought I was a depressed person. But I know now, like it was anxiety that was always my thing. But the depression was a result of of drinking a depressant, you know, toxic <laughs> substance all the time. Right? I was like, oh, these two things oh. are related. And I don't you know. mean to laugh, but it is interesting when we're on that other side and we're like, oh, yeah, like the light right. bulb goes off. You're like, <laughs> man, was I confused and lost? <laughs> but I think, like, I also think that information isn't. more so now, even like the evolution of the um, sober curious movement and and like the information available through the Instagram community that we're both part of and through other, you know, podcasts and things like that. 
is way more than it even was a few years ago. 100%. So people coming yeah. into sobriety now, or even just exploring it, have a lot more options than what we had, right? Absolutely. Maybe we didn't just have AA, but we didn't have a lot. So I almost like, I didn't, I thought only celebrities went to rehab and got sober. And mm-hmm. I was like, or you were the alcoholic that just never got out of it. And you were the guy on the street that was just doomed to die from this quote unquote disease, which I don't call it a disease, but like, that was my understanding of it at the time. I didn't realize there's a whole spectrum of, you know, the, the mommy wine culture, for example, of, um, women drinking around the clock, pretty much. There was always an opportunity when I was a single Mm -hmm. mom to go on a park play date and bring my Yeti mug of wine. Right. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that a lot, but that really was the epitome of, of what we were doing at the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't just black and white. Like there were a lot of gray area drinkers and we just didn't know. So, oh man. All right. Well, what did you do to remove it? How did that all work? Yeah. Um, in the summer of 2019, I started getting really curious about what my life could look like without alcohol. And I knew at that point that that was the thing that had to go because it was the thing that was causing all the other problems. Uh, You know, it was just, it was, it come to a point where I was like, what can I do? So I started looking and I found um, a podcast called Home, which Laura McCowan and Holly Whitaker, Mm -hmm. who we love, both of them had um, had that podcast before all of this became a thing, you know, like seven or eight years ago binge listened all of these episodes while I was at the gym, I would work out when I was heavily drinking, but I would never see the results that I thought I would. And then I started Mm. at the end, I started having like low blood sugar and like withdrawal at the gym. Anyway, (laughs) I started listening to that. And I guess Laura's book was coming out in January of 2020. And that and so I found the home podcast. And then her book was coming out. And somehow I was on the email list and saw she had started this um, sobriety community when the pandemic hit. So it was like a span of like six months, maybe nine months kind of thing between that summer and me thinking, okay, so I joined the luckiest club. Mm. And for the first few months of the luckiest club, I just sat in the meetings. They're on zoom. I sat in the meetings with my camera off. Uh, I still continued to drink through that period, but I got really curious about um, observing other people doing life without alcohol. I was like, sure. what does this look like? Right. I was looking for proof. Basically, I want mm-hmm. proof that this is possible because to me, it just didn't seem fun. It didn't seem easy. I didn't want anything easy or I didn't want anything hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Hence, you know, drinking to cope with hard feelings. I was like, right. So, yeah, so I joined and then uh, that led up to me eventually getting sober the day after Halloween 2020. Um, That was my last hopefully ever day one. And (laughs) um, yeah, I but what happened, the difference, though, between when I first joined TLC and when I actually was able to quit is I started turning my camera on eventually. I was going to ask, like, if there was a, a person or a share where all of a sudden you know, there was a shift where it wasn't so much you listening, but maybe becoming a little more involved. Did you ever share on it and start to become a little bit more vocal? I did. I did against, it was really hard for me because I have a lot of, I still have a lot of social anxiety. Um, 
something had happened. I had a really awful experience with, I lived in a shared um, triplex unit and my neighbor downstairs at that time, she had just moved in and she was a really toxic person. And one day I just had this need to like share something like I needed to get it off my chest. These people would understand because I couldn't drink at it because I was trying Mm -hmm. to not drink right and when I shared that day so many people and I was crying and everything which is so (laughs) unlike me right like in a public setting and so many people kind humans reached out and just like welcomed me in and there was there was a few that kind of stuck out that just sort of said here come along with us and but still it still was hard to trust people to put your trust in this thing that you know nothing about you know, but I would say for people listening to this, that connection to even one person, and I get this now in my inbox on Instagram is people are like, I can't tell anyone in my real life about this, but I need to tell you, or I feel safe telling you or whatever, do that, like, Mm -hmm. reach out to someone and tell someone because when you when, when our shame lives inside of us, it festers and it creates monsters, you know, so that was the difference for me. Man. Yeah. Well, and I think just the experience you had with TLC right there, just that first share, I think you, you summed up the sober community. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it is just this warm, beautiful, supportive community that welcomes everyone. Yeah. everyone, because we get it. <laughs> a yeah. lot of us have the same story or such similar stories that there's an understanding that some of our closest friends or relatives just don't, don't get. So yeah. I love and that it, you said, you know, even just writing a stranger on Instagram or something, you know, get that, get that, you know, support that you need from places you might not think of, you know? Right. And, and I think, all of us that I've met on this journey have been seekers where we're trying, we're not maybe sure exactly what we're seeking, but we're seeking something other than the life that we have. And to be able to see your stories reflected in other people's stories and words and, and what they're putting out there is such a, such a empowering um, experience because it really, it gives you confidence in what you're doing. And I think that before that, my connections with people were not on the level that I have now, even, even people I don't know that well now, but the people I talk to, I'm a whole, I can show up in a wholly different way than I used to, you know, and yeah. that's been, I feel more in alignment with who I am. And before I would constantly act out of alignment, but like, say I wanted to be one way and then do another thing, you know, <laughs> totally. all the time. And it's like, <laughs> now not having to, I still mess up or I still do things. I'm still learning, but I think it's a lifelong learning process. Sobriety is not a destination. It's truly, a lot of people don't like journey, but it really is a journey because it goes alongside every other thing that I'm doing in my life. Without that underpinning it, I wouldn't have any of this, you know? It's so so true. It's so true. Well, I'd love for you to elaborate, and we were kind of just touching on it, but when we were chatting before we hit record, I had asked you, you know, I think through a message, what do you want to chat about? Like, is there something you're passionate about or a topic or anything? Because number one, I love stories, but I also like to hear what drives you now, you know, what, what is your passion? What gets you out of bed? And 
one of the things that you mentioned, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up, was build a life that really nurtures your unique gifts and allows you to shine in sobriety. So tell me about that. I know it sounds beautiful, right? You wrote that. Um, (laughs) Wow. Uh, Goosebumps, right? Um, Tell me about it. Yeah. um, I think that is at the heart of everything that I'm doing. I think, uh, so um, the work I do now through my writing workshops and through connecting with people uh, the one word at the core of it for me is belonging. So I didn't feel any anchor or any belonging to people, places, things. Um, I was very detached and removed. After after my breakup of my first relationship, it kind of just went on like a little bit of a downward spiral. But I think what I do now is is... I was talking about this the other day. I I have little, all the little things that I do on a daily basis are what adds up to create a life of purpose. And one where I truly, I truly do get to show up in the world and use what I believe are my gifts, right? For example, um, one of my gifts is helping people be their own gifts in themselves. So in my workshops, I create and cultivate a safe space where people can share the stories and the things that make them uniquely themselves and feel that they're going to be accepted for just who they are. You don't have to change. You don't have to, you know, drinking for me was uh, largely about being being a chameleon and having to be a different person to different people. Sure. And I think the freedom and sobriety is I now am learning things like boundaries where I can, I can say to people, actually, I'm not going to do an interview or meet up or whatever at 10 p.m. because I actually go to bed at nine or I actually from nine to 9.30 p.m. I read and, and then I wake up and do my morning routine. Right. And for anyone listening, that that doesn't have to be complicated. But when you're building a routine for yourself, you're you're showing your body that you trust it and you're building a confidence in yourself Um that allows it to feel safe. Um, and that safety doesn't exist when you're constantly, when you're drinking and you're pulling it here and pulling it there and you're going to do this thing and you're going to meet these people and you're breaking your boundaries by doing this. Now, I might have to say no to five things in a day, but I know that I've stayed true to what makes me feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it. But that belonging piece I want other people to find that too. And helping others is what, what, you know, fills me up to do that. So. And it helps your sobriety. Am I right? Like it motivates you to keep going and keep helping. And it's a beautiful thing. It's about so much more than alcohol too. It really, I don't, yeah, I talk about my drinking days a lot on my Instagram, for example, but I also try to focus a a lot of my content on what this looks like now, what my life of purpose and my calling is now, how easy it is to implement one thing and and to start showing up for yourself in that way. And I want people to, to really feel, and I think I've done a good job of this, is to like, you don't, you can be anyone and do this. You don't have to have any extracurricular or sorry, external um, tools or anything to do that. What you have is innately within you and you're inherently worthy 
just by being a human, right? So you 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 don't have to prove anything to anybody, and and that that's that's what it's about for me, and it's been hugely gratifying and and very humbling and privileged. I'm privileged to be on that journey with people. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to hear more about your workshops. Are do you put them on multiple times a year? How long do they go for? What could people expect if they were to sign up for one? Yeah, good question. Um, right now I run I run three workshops a week. I do two co-ed workshops and one women's only uh, workshop on Fridays. Um, I am looking at expanding it a little bit, not I might not necessarily do another weekly one, but we also do, we're, we're just starting to do like open mic sessions where people can share their own writing. Um, I do monthly themes for the co-ed ones. For the women's one, we show up as we are, whatever's on my heart that week, or I look at my bookshelf and I pick something off and I'm like, oh, we're going to do Untamed and we're going to, my questions will be based around that. Um, it's kind of ad hoc that way. Um, the format loosely is um, opening reading and or a video, short video clip, and then uh, a few icebreakers. And then we do some longer writing exercises. It's not, um, if it's not an instructional writing course, what, I, what I'm creating is a space where people can tap into the emotional side of their, of their being. And that translates into your writing in all sorts of ways with how you build your characters. You're writing memoir, obviously you're needing to tap into that stuff. Uh, if you're writing poetry, it's very useful. So whatever people are working on, or even just to set up a writing practice. Um, the other thing that I offer is a sobriety, like a Quitlet book club. I do that one for free right now. It's just a women's book club. Um, we're doing uh, Drinking a Love Story, Caroline, Caroline Knapp. Uh, we did um, Amanda White's book first. So just, just stuff like that. But um, the writing workshops have been... That's what I, st I started doing them last summer for free. I just put them on Eventbrite and people started coming out. So we have like a core group now, but it is open to anyone. And I am looking to to build it a little bit because I feel like it's kind of a unique um, offering for those who just want to come out and, and be around other people who are writing too. Writing has been a hugely transformational tool for me in my sobriety. Whether you're writing about, you might not be writing anything to do with drinking or your drinking time. You're, you could be writing about anything, but you're a writer too, right? You do some writing. Try to, try yeah. to. I think I if need you've... a workshop. That's on my list. You know, I, um. <laughs> I think I know, right? We need to stay on this call. So I need to get some more yeah. details. No, <laughs> but yeah. I think that personally has been one of the biggest gifts in sobriety is just the creativity yeah. that it unlocked and whether it be painting or watercolors or mm -hmm. creating the journal that was not a, that was not a sales love pitch it. but you know it I just, love your journal <laughs> but thank you it just it unlocked this creativity that you know it was there a long time ago but not to this extent and writing yeah. is one that I'm intimidated by personally. And I don't know, I mean, I'll journal, but writing and creative writing, um, for some reason, it's one that is on my list. Like you need to start doing this, but it's intimidating to me. I don't know how to start. So maybe that, I need a workshop. <laughs> that's the thing. That is a, a thing that I hear a lot of people say, actually. And I think 
it's weird because I I'm not like credentialed when it comes to writing. My undergrad is in English literature and my postgrad is in human resources, but I just I call myself a writer because I am a writer and I and I want other people to feel like that too. And for example, I had this idea in my head that a lot of people do like, oh, my writing's never been picked up anywhere. It's never been published anywhere. Like, who am I to tell other people how to write? Well, it's only just now. I actually have an essay coming out, forthcoming in a sobriety-related book. There's 11 authors contributing to this book. We were approached about it independently to write a piece, a 5,000-word piece or whatever. And going through the whole process of working with a publisher and stuff is so, A, it's so humbling because <laughs> it's like, and it's, a, it's like a memoir-style essay, right? So like when people are pulling apart parts of your sure. life experience, it, it's so, I have such a respect for anyone who's gone through that process, you know, and, and you see some prolific authors and stuff out there, but really just going through that for a 5,000 word essay. And I was like, I was like, ah, so, you know, it kind of took my writing in like a different direction. But I, honestly, when people come to a workshop, I want, I want them to find joy in it. And for me, the way you describe how you feel, that's how I feel about art, like, like visual art, like drawing or photography, I do quite a bit, but like, I want to get some watercolors and I just want to start doing it. But I'm like, I can't do that. Like, what am I going to do? Watch YouTube videos. I'm like, actually, yes, I can. 100% you can. That's how I started. So for anybody that's watching and you included, um, go to Let's Make Art. It's I think it's called Let's Make Art. And it is like free tutorials of water. I mean, everything I've created, I'm like. I can't believe I made that. I have so. one of your pieces actually from like when you were, you were doing a garage to clean out or something and you had stuff. And I was like, <laughs> so, okay. So you just go there and you just, it's like just a video. And video. yeah, I mean, you'll have to have obviously your, your equipment at home, your materials, but right. she takes you step by step. She's amazing. So look it up. See, I'll put that, it in the show notes. It's a good, oh it's goodness. a good activity. You know, I think in sobriety, a lot of the challenges in the beginning for me was, well, I should say it was, it was bittersweet was all the time. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden I had time and I'm like, what do I do to keep my mind off of drinking? And painting was one that I was like, okay, I'm just going to do a painting because it made, put something in my hand. So my hands were busy. And for me, that was big so that I wasn't thinking about having the wine glass in my hand. Okay. What can I paint? Like, something to keep your mind off even if you're just doing it for yourself there's something so um it's tapping into the childlike um playful really pure essence of yourself whatever your spiritual beliefs are whatever your source power is I think really if you can you know sit at your desk sit on the ground sit outside nature and and create something um I often write poetry in my head when I'm going for walks and stuff like that. Or I think I um, record a little note to myself in my phone, or I put something in my phone. I, uh, in my workshop today, I read them a poem I wrote on the flight back from Boston earlier this week. I was there for the Luckiest Club event. And this poem just came like tumbling out of my head. There was no, there was no filter. And I think alcohol 
um, and any sort of external substances like that create a veil over our connection to our creativity and to our spiritual side. So to have that like unadulterated sometimes it's very overwhelming, but it's also like it's cathartic and it's so fulfilling to be able to just create something. So nature has been a huge part of that as well for me, you know, uh, it's yeah, I highly recommend doing anything like you said just watching that video and just being like oh I can do this having kids helps that too because I'll sit there with my daughter and do stuff like that <laughs> absolutely like, Let's do this. <laughs> you know? well I have one more question about writing and then I'm gonna check my notes to make sure I'm I'm staying on task but or in order but um for people that are interested in you know like myself maybe intimidated by writing or want to get started what's the first step what do you advise people that are maybe too scared to put that pen to paper? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're not looking at joining a workshop or anything like that, I would say the first step, like for me, I just, obviously, people can't see this, but you know, those composition books that you get, mm -hmm. they're like 98 cents at Walmart, get a composition book. Now, some people, a lot of people in sobriety do something called the morning pages, which is Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way, Artist's Way, she lays it out as a 12-week program. You do not need to do that, though. You, you can get that book, and you can write in it for five minutes every day. Or the way that I do it now, my journaling practice right now actually is um, posting on Instagram every day. And it sounds so silly, but for me... I write about my experiences on there, right? Sure. And that's been where my outlet has been. For today, I while my class was writing, I wrote something completely unrelated. And I would say one thing to understand, though, is not every day are you going to feel like writing. And that that makes you completely normal and human and very... That, that's to be expected. So when it comes to your writing practice, also recognize that any little bit of writing, you could be writing a card to a family member and, and mailing it, and that's writing. You could be going in your phone notes and writing a few lines of something. You could be having a conversation with a friend and it sparks you to write something. Mm. But I would say just intentionally think about what something, you know, writing every day and, and then just let it flow from that. Second to that, it's the same as sobriety, is that eventually I think you need to connect with other humans who are writing intentionally as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great advice. I love that. And that's even, that's kind of what I advise with like journaling too. It's like, just set a timer. It sounds yeah. silly, but like, if you're thinking that you, there's no way you can write, like just set a timer and see what comes out. If ten, it's your grocery minutes. list, if it's your right. <laughs> whatever, just get in that habit of finding time to do right. what you're trying to do, you know? So I do it with the, with, um, I use the calm app every morning and I do the 10 minute mindfulness thing. Cause I was, this is how I felt about, about meditation. I was so intimidated by it. So exactly what you say, just fit it, put it in there. Your morning routine does not have to take you three hours. No, it can literally be five minutes here, five minutes there. And yeah. it, it adds up to whatever, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And then it's just part of your routine and, and it's something it you look forward is. to. You know? plus, plus, when you have a routine, I go back to what I said is like, that builds your confidence in yourself, you can be proud that you've done that, right? Five minutes, you still feel proud about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that you haven't, that can be more impactful than writing for two hours, and then beating yourself up that nothing came out. 
when you write for that five minutes and then you put that book away and you go on and you do the next thing that you're going to do. Yep. Yep. Cause you're yeah. keeping that promise to yourself. Exactly. I mean, it sounds so corny, but there is this overwhelming, like, I don't know, just like pride when I get into bed at the end of the day with like my hot tea, my book, and I've washed my face and I've brushed my teeth and it's so ridiculous. But like, I've gotten to that point where it's like, I did it. Like I did what I was supposed to do. Here I am. Well I done. Think that's what we're meant to do <laughs> as humans though. And I think we forget that or we, we don't have that when we're drinking. And I think as women too, a lot of times we reach this point in our, our spiritual journey in our late 30, like mid to late 30s slash like 40, I found is like, this has been a period of huge growth for me right now. And that can be to do with hormones and it can be to do with their cycle and all that kind of stuff. But it's just that, that is really, I think we were always meant to just take care of ourselves and our bodies, but we just didn't, you know, we're like, let's just try and ravage it instead. (laughs) Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're getting down to my, my last two questions, which makes me sad every time, but, um, looking forward, what, what's ahead, what's this new chapter going to look like? You kind of touched a little bit about maybe some, some things that you're planning on doing, but what excites you? Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited to continue to grow my business in different ways. When I was out in Boston this week, I spent time with Jill from Sober Powered, who we love, um, who a lot of people listening probably know. And uh, she really inspires me as a businesswoman. And like her, she has insane ability to um, create and to put stuff out into the world and like her capacity to do that. And so, I was picking her brain for lots of stuff. I was like, you know, right. I would do the same. (laughs) I wish like, and I don't want to sit there and take notes, but I was like everything she said, I was thinking, you know, cause I lived a long time in the scarcity mindset and like, oh, I could never do that kind of thing. And she would keep questioning, like, why can't you do that? You know, what, what, what is this issue? So we would talk (laughs) through it. And I think it's so helpful to have those conversations with people who you really admire and who you can learn from. And so I think that's been my goal now is to try and learn from people. I do, (laughs) I don't want to put this out into the universe, but I kind of do actually, is at some point I would like to start a podcast. Um, I have some ideas behind it and not a, not a sobriety focused one, but, but a, a creative type podcast, but that is definitely at least a year out because I want to do it the right way. Um, And then I made a promise to myself um, while I was away also is I want to get back to my own writing. When you launch a business, it's so focused outwardly on like getting all this, all the ducks in a row and getting things done. And I want to take that time to, um, to refocus on some of my writing because I haven't, I, I started my memoir, like, a year ago and I kind of put it to the side when the business launched and I just haven't, I haven't touched it. So my own writing project would be great, but I I picture, I picture this going in lots of other ways as well. I'm excited to work one-on-one with people and to kind of um, be that sort of mentor and that sort of, I don't know. I just want to be their friend on their journey of what life looks like after sobriety. So I have, 
a lot of connections and I feel there is a natural um, progression into the work that I'm doing. And for a lot of people, they get stuck on the, um, well, I put down the alcohol, now what? And that now that what? creates yeah. the, the relapse a lot of the time or the going back to drinking because it's like, now what do I do? I want people to really start moving into their life of purpose, um, whatever that looks like to them. So, right. yeah. That was like just a perfect, perfect message because that is solely why I started this. Because I'm like, I want people to see the good, the good yeah. that comes out of sobriety. And you just summed it right there that like, you, you got to do the work. You got to do the hard part. You got to put the drink down. But there is so many beautiful opportunities and so many good things that you can do in sobriety. So just by, just by getting curious and, and connecting with people. And I, I ask questions all the time. I used to be afraid ever to ask anybody anything. I always I would be mortified if I did something wrong. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I didn't want to embarrass, you know, my husband or whatever. But I did obviously <laughs> embarrass myself a lot when I was drinking. <laughs> but now if if something piques my interest or if I'm curious or if I don't know how to do something, I'll ask because it just it 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 takes away the potential for me to feel ashamed because I'm just like you know what people are always want to help other people, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, I say that from personal experience, but I see it all around with people like you, you what you're doing, right. Where it's like, people want to help you. They want to answer your question. It makes them feel good. It makes you oh, feel yeah. good when you figure it out. And yeah. So I think getting curious is like a huge part of that. And that's a huge part of creating this life that really alcohol doesn't fit into. I, I can't even think of where alcohol would ever fit into my life right now. Do I still have awkward moments? Yeah, Mother's Day, we went out for lunch and uh, the conversation somehow moved to this bartender that everybody knew at Chili's and how much fun this guy was. And he always knew their drink. And then someone said, oh, he's in, he's a recovering alcoholic. And then the whole table goes quiet. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> I was just eating my pizza, you know? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> my tea. I was like, okay, but you know, we, we move on and it's like, I, that's not the only part of who I am, but I right. wouldn't be here without my sobriety. So I never forget where I came from. And I, and I think yeah. that's what makes me relatable for people who are in their journey is like, if they bring something up, I can say, yeah, me too. Cause I don't oh, want to yeah. gloss over it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so important is being really authentic and real too. I mean, just because we have so many days under our belt, we're at where we are. It doesn't erase where we came from, you know? No. I mean, we don't live there anymore, but it also helps when we can tell people, no, that, yeah, that was me. Like, that's, it. that's yeah. what I did. Yep. I remember it, that, you know, it, it gives them hope, I think. Alone. It does mm -hmm. give them hope. Exactly. And that, and that's what we were missing. That was one of the missing pieces when we felt helpless in our, in our drinking or addiction or whatever you want to call it for yourself. I think that was it as we felt just hopeless, like there was no way out. And so, yeah, just being able to connect with people now um, and it's going to look different for everyone. People have to start out, start out with little baby steps and you'll get to something. And one day, like I'll get a message from you nine months from now and you'll be like, Oh my God, I guess what I'm doing. Like I, you know, started this <laughs> thing and you're like, ah, it just makes my heart so happy. You know, so full, so full. Yeah. All right, my dear. Well, I'd love for you to share to the one person or many that are listening 
and feeling inspired to make a change, what advice can you give them? I think, I guess the advice for me would be to to put yourself in a space um, with no outside distractions where you can really allow that inner voice that's in there, that inner knowing to come through and listen to what it has to say. And, and I think everybody has that inside of them, that, that voice that is saying to them, there's something different or there's something bigger. Listen to what it says that you want to do. What do you want to do? How do you want to show up in the world? And what, what, what lasting impression do you want to leave on this world after your physical body's gone, after you're gone? You know, when you do that, the answer most of the time for everybody who's on this journey that we're on is that alcohol has to be gone for that to come through. And I think just just let that voice come through and allow for it. I love that. Thank you, my friend. That's beautiful. And that voice is there. It's there and it wants to come out. It wants to be heard. So trust it. Trust yeah. your voice. Trust your gut. It's in there and it's saying something. That's why they're listening right now, right? <laughs> it is. There's people listening guaranteed who are not sober yet or who are curious, but nobody in their life knows. And you can start, you can create that little sober account. You can message people like me or like Jess and just say, hey, like I have people, I had a girl today, she's on day three. I've been there since her day one and, and just like sticking with people like that, you know, and and that's what I did when I started out. So it's all about putting that hand back and lifting the people up. And, and in front of you were the people who lifted us up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So there's always, that voice is always going to tell you the truth. Absolutely. All right, my dear. So if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them? I mean, I know Instagram, right? It is yeah. the Sober Elephant Chronicles, correct? Yeah. Did I get it right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, I can't change that name now. There's a whole story behind it, but that that's what it is. Um, I also have a website. Um, so on there, you can find my workshops. Um, I'm shortly going to be having a newsletter as well. Um, it's KetziaCalvertCreative.com. And everything I offer will be on there too. I love that. Well, I will have that all in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. And I just appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time today to share your story and your gift with us. We just adore you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jess. I really enjoyed our time. Thank you. Bye, friend. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.